You're tuned to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. The following program is a rebroadcast of Miracle Hunter with Michael O'Neill. Welcome to the Miracle Hunter, where it doesn't matter if you are a believer or a skeptic, it's always worth the hunt. My name is Michael O'Neill. I am the Miracle Hunter and creator of the website MiracleHunter.com. I'll be your host for the next hour as we continue our weekly exploration of the world of miracles. We have an exciting show today. November, of course, is the month dedicated to the holy souls of purgatory in the Catholic Church. And I'll be interviewing the world's top expert on purgatory and author of numerous books on the subject, Susan Tussone. She recently wrote an article for the latest issue of Soul Magazine on Fatima and Purgatory. Later in the show, I'll be interviewing her to find out what we can learn from the Virgin Mary about purgatory in her authenticated appearances. As always, we'll be asking you a Catholic trivia question, so get your pens and paper ready. Later in the show, we'll be talking about how Our Lady is honored around the world on November 19th in our segment, 365 Days with Mary. For more information on this project, you can go to 365dayswithmary.com. Each week, I'll be asking a trivia question and giving out a prize for a caller that gets the right answer. This week, we'll be giving away a framed image of a piece of artwork entitled The Faces of Mary. It is a photo mosaic of over 100 images of Our Lady that forms a large, beautiful picture of the Madonna and Child. Trivia questions are generously provided by Catholic Pub Trivia, an organization that partners with a Catholic parish, school, or religious organization to host Trivia Night fundraisers at local establishments. For more information on Catholic Pub Trivia, or to organize an event in your area, please visit catholicpubtrivia.com. Please call into the show with your answer, 866-333-MARY, that's 866-333-MARY, and we will reveal the winner later in the show. Fitting with today's theme on purgatory, we have a purgatory-related trivia question. The question is, what term refers to early liberation from purgatory through the special intercession of the Virgin Mary, which she exercises preferentially on Saturday? Again, that question is, what term refers to early liberation from purgatory through the special intercession of the Virgin Mary, which she exercises preferentially on Saturday? Now, please call into the show with your answer, 866-333-MARY, that's 866-333-MARY, and we will reveal the winner later in the show. For more information on Catholic Pub Trivia, please visit catholicpubtrivia.com. Each week, I'll try to cover any newsworthy items in the world of miracles. To keep up to date with the latest in miracle news, please visit MiracleHunter.com and sign up for our newsletter. You'll receive a monthly email with the latest Miracle Hunter news, including reports on the latest miracles and news stories, links to past radio podcasts, updates on my television series of Miracle Hunters, now in development, and my book, Hunting for a Miracle, due out in spring 2014, and also any speaking engagements that are upcoming, and much, much more. So sign up for the newsletter on MiracleHunter.com and click the newsletter link at the bottom of the page. This week in Miracle News, uh, as was last week, uh, we've got the most famous of alleged miracles, Medjugorje, continuing to make waves, um, as this audience is most likely aware. Uh, in 1981, several children began reporting apparitions of the Virgin Mary in Medjugorje, a small town in Bosnia-Herzegovina as part of the former Yugoslavia. Now, since then, over 30 million pilgrims have visited. In 1991, the Bishops' Conference of Yugoslavia, in what is known as the Zadar Declaration, said that the apparitions could not be established as supernatural. Now, it's important to remember that this did not condemn them, but it means that they had insufficient proof as to make this assessment that it is worthy of belief that the Mother of God had been appearing there. So this is the last official statement on Medjugorje from the Catholic Church. And with so much time passing, the alleged apparitions still going on, uh, believers and skeptics have been weighing in on what will and what should happen next. The Vatican has been undertaking an investigative commission uh, starting in 
2010, and various ports around the internet seem to suggest that it's nearing its end. Unfortunately, we neither know for sure if it is wrapping up, nor if we'll ever know the results. Uh, speculators on both sides have guessed on what Pope Francis and the CDF might say on this matter. Now, just this past week, the Catholic blogosphere has been lighting up with questions about whether Pope Francis just tipped his hand on the impending Medjugorje judgment. Now, we Pope Francis gives these informal homilies uh, called fervorinos at the daily masses he celebrates. And by his own request, the exact text of the homilies can't be published, but he does allow summaries to be published. The Vatican Radio website uh, recently wrote an article about such a fervorino uh, where the Pope strongly discourages an unhealthy spirit of curiosity relating to miraculous phenomena. He specifically is mentioning Marian phenomena. Um, this is not the first time he has warned the faithful of an overemphasis or an obsession with uh, these matters. But what's most interesting about this whole situation is that although he doesn't use the term Medjugorje uh, specifically, he seems to be making very clear reference to the Medjugorje apparitions. So I'm going to read you a quote uh, from the Vatican Radio article. Um, it, here's a quote. Curiosity, the Pope continued, impels us to want to feel that the Lord is here or rather there, or leads us to say, but I know a visionary who receives letters from Our Lady, messages from Our Lady. And the Pope commented, but look, Our Lady is the mother of everyone. She loves us all. She is not a postmaster sending us messages every day. Such responses to these situations, he affirmed, distance us from the gospel, from the Holy Spirit, from peace and wisdom, from the glory of God, from the beauty of God. Jesus says that the kingdom of God does not come in a way that attracts attention. It comes by wisdom. So that's the quote. Um, so the thing that's very striking about it is, of course, that several of the Medjugorje seers have been receiving daily visions since 1981. Uh, so this seems like a less than veiled reference to Medjugorje, this whole postmaster kind of comment. Well, what can we make of it? It's pretty unclear. It seems that he's discouraging curiosity. Um, of course, our Lord himself says in the Gospel of John, have you come to believe because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. But Whatever the interpretation, it would appear to be not positive for supporters of Medjugorje. The Pope might be thinking of Medjugorje in particular, referring to it without naming it, and signaling his attitude towards it. He might even be signaling this as a way of preparing the faithful who support Medjugorje to adjust the, to the idea of an upcoming negative judgment uh, regarding the authenticity of the apparitions. But no one really knows. It's all speculation for now. We'll be sure to keep you updated on the show each week with any new developments, and we'll be posting the latest news on MiracleHunter.com. You are listening to the Miracle Hunter radio show. I'm your host, Michael O'Neill. I'm the Miracle Hunter, and you can read more about Marian apparitions and the other miracles on my website at MiracleHunter.com. Each week we'll be doing a segment entitled 365 Days with Mary. This is a new initiative of Miracle Hunter LLC. In the course of my research over the last 15 years on apparitions, miraculous images, and all things Marian, I've come to realize that for each and every day of the year, somewhere in the world, uh, there's a Marian title, feast, or commemoration that's being celebrated. It never ceases to amaze me how much the world loves the Mother of God and honors her unceasingly throughout the year. Now, this is a project that I've been working on, oof, I'd say probably five years now. It's hard to believe. Um, but through my research, I have assembled all the dates with their feasts into one resource. I call this project 365 Days with Mary. This project is available in print in, form, in the form of a daily engagement calendar, sort of a daily organizer, planner, as well as online at 365dayswithmary.com. 
And now we're also on Facebook and Twitter, where if you like us, you can automatically receive information about each feast day and learn more about our Blessed Mother and how she is honored around the world. Be sure to like 365 Days with Mary on Facebook and visit the website 365dayswithmary.com to see the project. The print version, in the form of a daily organizer, uh, it makes a great Christmas gift. So today is November 19th. We commemorate Nuestra Señora de la Divina Providencia, which is Our Lady of Divine Providence in San Juan, Puerto Rico, whose feast coincides with the Puerto Rican Discovery Day. Now, toward the end of his term as Bishop of San Juan, Puerto Rico, Gil Esteve y Tomás ordered a statue of Our Lady of Divine Providence from a sculptor in Barcelona, Spain, where he had served as vicar before he was ordained a bishop. On January 2nd, 1853, the image was installed in the cathedral, and for many years, uh, Puerto Ricans celebrated the Feast of the Mother of Divine Providence on January 2nd. The statue was canonically crowned November 19, 1950, so when the Pope, uh, Pope Paul VI, uh, proclaimed the patron of the island in 1970, he moved her local feast to November 19th to coincide with Puerto Rican Discovery Day. San Juan's beloved image uh, bears only a vague resemblance, however, to that of the Mother of Divine Providence that spread from Rome around the world, around the world in 1752, uh, the Roman work is a painting which depicts a half-length Madonna in her traditional red robe, gazing down at the child she holds against her body. He looks up at her, holding her left hand in his. The full-figure statue in San Juan shows Mary holding her son's left hand in both of hers, while he reclines on her ivory-robed lap. For more information on the devotion to Our Lady of Divine Providence in San Juan, Puerto Rico, or the Cathedral of San Juan Bautista de Puerto Rico, which is the oldest cathedral in the country, please visit the 365 Days with Mary project at 365dayswithmary.com. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and you'll get more information on each day's devotion around the world. So today we have a very special guest. Uh, November is the month dedicated to the holy souls of purgatory, and we are honored uh, that she could fit us into her busy November schedule. She is in high demand. Susan Tassone is the world's top expert on purgatory and author of numerous books on the subject. She is featured in the excellent new film Purgatory, the Forgotten Church, and she wrote an article for the latest issue of Soul Magazine, on Fatima and Purgatory, her website is susantassone.com. I'd like to welcome the always delightful, the Purgatory Lady, Susan Tassone. Michael. Susan, good to talk to you. Oh, it's great to talk to you, Michael. This is your is this your debut, your radio debut? This is one of my radio debuts, so I'm I'm happy to have you on. Well, it's an honor to have uh, the Holy Souls on too during the month of. Uh, November, so you're very timely. Well, this is great. I'm, I'm so happy you could join us. Uh, I know it's a very busy month for you, um, and now this is the month where Catholics around the world uh, honor the holy souls, so pass on to the next life. Um, can you talk a little bit more about why this time is so special in the Catholic Church and what Catholics can be doing for the holy souls during this month? You know, it's it's just, uh, it's a great, first of all, it's a great honor and privilege to um to be given this um, um, gift, um, duty, power, privilege, if you want to call it, that our Lord has given to the Church militant. That's us. Um, only we are their deliverers. He calls on the Church militant to help the souls um, out of purgatory to relieve their pain. For whatever reasons, we have this great, I call it, honor, duty, and privilege. And it's interesting because I realize that, you know, any other saint, Michael, has one day, um, uh, you know, that they honor a saint, but with the souls, they honor the souls the whole month of November. There is no saint that has been given that honor except the souls in purgatory. So um, it was Saint Odillo that uh, uh, gave us this wonderful feast day, the Feast of All Souls, 
and um, he had uh, ordered all his uh, monasteries to pray for the dead, um, uh, and that was, you know, popularized and back in 998, and um, thanks to, to him and the church, they we have we have now the whole month of the souls in purgatory. Um, and it's also important to remember our dead because, you know, Michael, we're not, we never separate. Even though they're not here, we can't see them. It's the communion of saints. It's the church militant that reaches out to the church suffering that enjoins them with the church triumphant. So nothing is done alone. So it's just a very special month. Um, we're, we're all connected. We never forget our dead. Um, and, uh, and, and, and as, as I said, Holy Mother Church puts aside this special month. What can we do for them? I call them the four pillars, Michael. The most powerful way you can help your loved ones, souls in purgatory, um, family, friends, is through the Mass. The Mass is the highest form of worship. It's the highest act of prayer. It's the Mass that uh, releases, uh, delivers, and relieves the souls in purgatory. Um, I, I, th- that's it. That's the, that's the chief devotion of the souls in purgatory. Now, people ask me, so, so I have masses offered for my loved ones. I've had masses offered for them for 40 years. Do I ever stop? You know, are they in heaven? Um, well, I think I, from my experience, God oh, gives uh, I, many and many uh, families that I've talked to, even in my own family, you know, uh, sometimes I... We're allowed to know wh- whether they're in heaven or in purgatory, um, and uh, that's that's a great gift from God that He He allows it. Many of the saints, as you know, in my book, praying with the saints, have um, numerous uh, um, experiences with the souls. Um, whether you know, Padre Pio was one where the souls stop by to say hello to him and thank him. It's a Viva Padre Pio, thanks for your masses on their way to heaven. <clears throat> so, so the question I get is so. What do I do? You know, do I continue to pray for them? Let's say they've been gone for 30, 40 years. Well, St. Thomas Aquinas gives us a, a you know, a, an insight into that. He calls it accidental glory. A soul, if a soul is already in heaven and you continue to pray for that soul, um, the soul gets accidental glory, which is an increase in its intimacy with God and an increase in its intercessory power. So, the so we, should, we should never stop praying exactly. for the souls, even if we assume that they're in heaven. Yes, Michael, because you keep pushing them up higher, and so the lesson is, like you said, never stop praying for your dead. Never stop praying. So the first pillar is the Mass, um, and remember to have Masses offered, you know, um, for yourself as well um, while you're alive. Have Masses. This is a great time uh, in, in my family we've kind of shifted to having masses offered for each other. In my book, Praying with the Saints for the Holy Souls, we talk about that. A, a professor in a, a university in Rome discusses how important it is to have masses offered while you're alive. Let's say you have a family member, he said, that is, you know, on the wrong road. Your mass can give him the grace to respond and get back on the right road. Of course, you always have your free will, but the grace is available. So, you know, have Masses offered for your loved ones and have Masses offered for those that are alive in your family. I highly recommend the Miraculous Medal Association. The Pious Union of St. Joseph has a new uh, you know, new enrollment. Enroll your families, you know, put them under, uh, you know, Our Lady's Mantle and under St. Joseph. Um, so Masses offered for the dead, Masses offered for your family while you're alive. First pillar. Second pillar is the Rosary. The rosary is the most efficacious prayer alongside the Mass. It's the most powerful Marian prayer on earth. Um, and why does it help the souls in purgatory? Because of the indulgences that are attached to it. So that's the second pillar. The third pillar, Eucharistic adoration. Again, the indulgences that you gain before the Eucharist. Um, the uh, first, second, third, uh, what, what number are we on? First. Masses, Rosary, Eucharist Adoration, the Way of the Cross for the Holy Souls in Purgatory. Very powerful devotion. Um, we have a book called The Way of the Cross for the Holy Souls. It has sold over 80,000 copies. I think it has a Duracell, rab- a Duracell battery in it, Michael. Um, it's used actually more during Lent, which is I'm so excited about because um, there's a, uh, the Byzantine Catholics don't celebrate All Souls Day. They celebrate All Souls Saturdays during Lent, 
every Saturday is given over to the souls in purgatory. So during Lent, if you want something new for Lent, have uh, the pray the way of the cross th- throughout Lent. And again, why? Because of the indulgences that are attached to them. Of course, take the children to the cemetery. Holy water, uh, sprinkle holy water on the graves. That's the great sacramental that that relieves the, the souls in purgatory. The chaplet of mercy. Um, all those things. Um, Give your indulgence to the souls. Offer your communion for the souls in purgatory. The most abandoned souls I've read are particularly powerful. Uh, Solanus Casey said um, that the souls hardly ever fail. Their intercession is extraordinarily powerful. Um, so those are the those are the pillars, as I call them, uh, to help the our holy heroes. And I've heard you in the past uh, speaking of the abandoned souls or those who nobody prays for, uh, praying for priests because of the presumption that priests are holy and aren't in need of our prayers. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. For yeah. In fact, uh, Father Miguel, uh, he's a great purgatory buster. I call him Father Purgatory on EWTN. Um, use, uses my books quite a bit uh, during his homilies. He, if you want to catch him on, on, he gave a great homily uh, Bened- at Benediction and Devotions uh, last Sunday, which you can actually see uh, uh, on EWTN's YouTube but um, we tend to canonize our deceased loved ones. We we decide if they've suffered enough, and we decide that they they went straight to heaven. I really cringe when you're at a, a funeral or you're at a, a at, a, at a, a, a mass for for the deceased, you know, funeral mass, and and the priest says, you know, doesn't mention to pray for them. You know, he he you know he covers a lot of other things, but never says to to offer a prayer. Um, but the priests, you know, get the short end of the stick because we tend to canonize the clergy. We canonize our priests, our bishops, and we leave off too soon praying for them. We're not the judge, you know. We can't determine whether their was was per- their will was perfectly lined up with with the will of God. And so um, we they are really part of that uh, that I call the abandoned souls group that um, that really need our prayers. And of course, you know. They don't have family members, you know, uh, wife, children, to pray for them. So they count on us. So the abandoned souls are the priests. And, of course, those that don't believe in the doctrine of purgatory. Um, you know, I've, I've gone to cemeteries that were Jewish and, you know, uh, Lutheran cemeteries, and I, I prayed for those souls as well because, you know, those that don't believe in the doctrine of purgatory, they, too, are not receiving um, prayers. That's that's true. Uh, it's important that we pray for those who might not be getting any prayers in the first place. So that, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, now, I've, I've heard many Catholics uh, describe purgatory as a place of fire and cleansing, uh, where God's punishing us for our sins. Um, but it seems like it's really a place of mercy. Can you touch on that a little bit? Oh, Michael, it, you know, I'm I'm working on a new book, and um, you know, I you know, I thought I fleshed it out, and I just keep finding the same things, but in a deeper, more profound way. You because how many, re- books have, how many books have you written so far? This will be number eight. Wow. Like having children, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but I, I love it, and, and anything to help pass on, you know, this, this, this masterpiece of God's mercy to the next generation. Um, but you hit on two... Uh, important things that uh, actually I, I'm addressing, and one is this punishment and this cleansing. Purgatory is not a punishment. It, it truly is the masterpiece of God's mercy. This this work of purgatory can be called punishment only in the sense that it we it'll be spiritually and psychologically demanding. That's really how you could use the word punishment, only in that sense that it's going to be a spiritual and psychologically demanding um, experience as the acquisition of any virtue is. And we're here to acquire the, you know, uh, the virtues of faith, hope, and charity. And if we don't acquire them here, we're going to have to learn those and acquire them in purgatory. And, and, you know, what do we mean by it being demanding? Well, it's just like... um, Working out—it's just like physical therapy. Uh, it's if you're trying to stop, if you're trying to stop smoking, um, you know, if you're trying to lose weight, there is pain, but it's a sign of progress, and it means that you're on the road to where you eventually want to be, and that makes it a joyful pain because you know that there's, you know, that you're going to accomplish something great, 
and you're going to feel good about it, and you're going to be happy. It, you know, it's a, it's a, so you 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 don't mind the pain. No pain, no gain. Well, the the souls experience that joy too, as well. Even though they experience the pain, they experience joy because they can no longer sin, they can no longer offend God, and they know they're saved. So this emphasis on purgatory as punishment is really the wrong way to look at it because you know God's not trying to get even with us. And he's not trying to lower the boom. He's not trying to get a pound of flesh. It's out of his mercy and his, as um, uh, St. Faustina calls this, unfathomable love that God is trying to prepare his children, his unprepared children, for heaven. Um, all of us, Michael, and it's such a great honor to be born, because God could have chosen a gazillion, somebody else out of a gazillion souls. He chose you to be born. He chose you um, in this life, to be with him in heaven. And we all have this mission, and we were charged by the gospel to prepare for heaven while alive on earth. And, um, and, and some of us really didn't prepare properly, if you will. Um, it's really it's purgatory that leads us to this, you know, this beatific vision. If, if we're unprepared, he's saying to us, I want to prepare you. You know, I want to prepare you to stand before before me, because he's all pure. He, you know, who is, as Benedict said, who can stand before the throne of God and say that they're perfectly, perfectly pure? Um, so um, we really have to be, you know, prepared. You know, Mother Teresa was prepared. You know, the great saints, what did they do? They, they lived out their lives, you know, selflessly. They gave selflessly um, the little flower you know, gave of herself, so she stood before God and said, I gave you everything, and so she, you know, she avoids purgatory. That's what he's calling us to do, is to be selfless. You know, um, heaven is for, um, I call it, selfless lovers, and that's what God is looking for. But, so this purgatory is is a way to, you know, um, to close the gap, if you will. It's a way to um, purify ourselves through God's love, and it's his love he cleanses us with his love. He cleanses us with his goodness. He cleanses us with his um, his uh, his his uh, infinite uh, mercy. He cleanses us with his uh, you know the, the awesomeness of his um, of his of who he is. Um, he cleanses us with with you know this this deep love, uh, and it's like it's his it's his fire of love for us that cleanses us. And our response is the same. You know, it's two flames of fire um, responding back to him. So it's really, it's just, it's really not that complicated. He purifies us with his love. And that's, that's what... A, that's a beautiful answer. way of putting it. I, I think a lot of people have always focused on the punishment aspect. Yes, and, it's not a physical a, fire. In fact, in fact, what it is, Michael, it's an inner burning. It's a spiritual fever for the love of God because they saw God. And they saw him in all his glory. They saw what God had, you know, what had the graces that were given to you throughout your life. They saw the plan God had for you, and they're unable to be with him. So they burn for love of God. And it's God's burning love, his longing for souls, that creates their longing for him. Um, and that's what I mean by hearts aflame for love. And they have this unquenchable thirst. They have an unspeakable yearning. And I call it a heart sickness for God. And this is their greatest suffering, is this heart sickness, and they cry out, God, God, I must be with God. So it's the loss of the sight of God, and it's this inner burning for God, not a physical fire. So it's not a punishment, it's a healing purgatory, it's a purgatory, it's a sign of God's love, and we should really be grateful, and it's not a physical fire, it's an inner burning for God. This is um, this is a great message, and you're You've dedicated your life to to spreading the word on purgatory and educating people because they are in, uh, they're in such need of that. Um, now we have a caller on the line, uh, Bruce. Uh, um, uh, what did you have a question for Susan today? I, I did, and I uh, I was cut off there for a second, so you may have already addressed this. Uh, but it's my understanding that souls in purgatory are already forgiven. Of their sins, they're just going through a cleansing process? Yes. Okay. That's correct. Could you tell us uh, the Church's teaching on uh, whether or not do the souls know that they've been forgiven, or are they in a state of not knowing 
that they're forgiven and that might be part of the anguish that they're actually going no, through. The, as I said, Bruce, the anguish is the fact that they're, they're suffering the loss of the sight of God. You know, they stood before the sight of God. The, you know, their will, they were not perfectly purified. They, 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 there were still some remnants of, of the stain on their soul, meaning, you know, the, 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 the sins are forgiven, but the remnants remain. The rust is, St. Catherine of Genoa, remain, you know, is, calls it the rust of sin. And they're there being purified of that rust, of, you know, to become totally pured, purified to stand before, before God. Beautiful, beautiful. And I was, I was having a conversation with my niece. Uh, where is your garden, guardian angel at this point? Oh, that's a wonderful question. Again, in my book, um, uh, Praying with the Saints for the Holy Souls in Purgatory, I do a whole uh, section about the saints. You know, we're all given a guardian angel from the moment of conception, and their, their job is to be with you throughout life and to get you home. Um, and so if, if, you, uh, if you have to, you know, make a stop in purgatory, they are there. They're there encouraging you. They're there telling you who's praying um, for you. And they're also um, inspiring those of your family or friends to pray for you as well. And uh, they do not leave your side until you're in heaven. And oh, there's a little more, a little more information I share about that in my Praying with the Saints for the Holy Souls in Purgatory. Well, thank you. Thank you. That was beautiful. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Take my call. Thank you, Bruce, for that call. Um, you are listening to Michael O'Neill on Miracle Hunter, and we're interviewing Susan Tessone today, an expert on purgatory. Uh, Susan, thank you for joining us again, and uh, wanted to uh, discuss, you, you've dedicated your life to spreading the message about uh, purgatory, and just recently, in the past year, you've had another project that's come up. Uh, this wasn't your project, but you were fundamental uh, appearing in the project. It was a movie called Purgatory, the Forgotten Church. What can you tell us about that project and, and what people should know about it? Um, I could share, you know, Friar John Clote is the um, producer of the film. I had the great honor of being in that film and helping out with the, with the script. Uh, Cardinal George is in the film. Joan Wester Anderson, the angel lady, they call her the angel lady, is in the film. A uh, Jewish rabbi is in the film. A woman that has a near-death experience is in the film. A priest who, um, who um, a fascinating priest that where the souls visit have visited him, especially a, uh, especially a priest that had committed suicide. Um, he tells that in the film. Um, I like what Friar John uh, says. We were on EWTN together, and he said that his film is the training film, and my books are the training manuals. They go hand in hand. I highly recommend it. It's not just for Catholics. It's not, quote, just for, you know, a Catholic film. It, it starts out with, with near-death experiences um, and how uh, people of, no matter what culture or faith, they experience the same thing. I don't want to give the film away, but he covers indulgences. He covers the fire that we talk about. Um, he covers suicide and, and the Church's teaching on suicide. Um, he covers, uh, you know, the, again, this priest that experienced, um, the, the, have experienced in many, many times these souls visiting him. Um, it, it was just spectacular, um, and I can't say enough about it. I would say, you know, his book, I mean, his film, and my books will make great stocking stuffers. Uh, you know, it's a great time to, you know, to, you know, insert a couple of these things during Christmas. Um, you know, I do that with my nieces. Uh, I, I, I put in... I might put. I'll be putting in a purgatory film, and you know, plus their favorite DVDs. But I'll put in a Benedict medal. I'll put in a bottle of holy water, a scapular, some blessed salt. Um, those those holy reminders that I've been doing over the years, and it's paying off because now they're in their twenties, late twenties, early thirties, and they what kicks in is if there's something wrong or they need where they, they have a place to turn to. They know where to go. They know to, to go to pray to Our Lady, to Our Lord, or pick up the rosary. So I planted the seed quite young, and I, I continue to do that. Um, but it's, it's an outstanding film. Um, you can um, go to Purgatory Forgotten Church um, to see a, a trailer of the film. And, um, I just, and, of course, he used Praying with the Saints again for the Holy Souls in Purgatory as, uh, as one of his uh, 
uh, uh, key resources for the uh, documentary, which was, again, a great honor. Yeah, I, I had the uh, privilege of seeing that film, uh, and, and I thought that it was excellent. It was, it was uh, exhaustive. It covered uh, many topics about purgatory, and, of course, Susan, you contributed in great ways to everybody's understanding in that film, so that was great. I, I particularly focused on Gregorian masses, uh, Michael, and I say I say this wherever I can, and, and EWTN at every show, I'll always repeat this: put them in your will. Gregorian masses, put them in your will. There are thirty masses in a row for one to see soul. It was popularized by Pope Saint Gregory. Justice, a monk, had died, and he ordered thirty masses to be offered for the repose of a soul. On the thirtieth mass, Justice appeared to his brother and and said he was released from purgatory. The altar is still there at Mount Chaley in the monastery where the first Masses were offered. Now, does it guarantee that, you know, uh, a soul is released on the 30th day of these Masses? No, the Church doesn't officially say that, but they, again, point to the efficacy of the Masses. I can't stress enough to put those in your will. Or if you have somebody that died, um, have Gregorian Masses offered for them. As I said, the Mass heals the living and the deceased. Now, Susan, I, I was excited to hear that you recently uh, wrote an article for Soul Magazine that talked about uh, Fatima and Purgatory. Of course, as you know, uh, Mar- Marian apparitions are uh, my great interest. Your specialty. In my yes, and uh, to hear that you had done an article where you talked about uh, Fatima, a Marian apparition, and Purgatory. What can you tell us about the connection between these two, and what do we learn from Our Lady? That was, you know, I, I, I got a big thrill out of that, and I think I was inspired by um, Father Apostoli, who I've done some shows with. Um, in fact, you could look for Father and I, well, actually, it'll be a, a year from now. Next fall, we'll be doing a show together. Uh, I think he does um, Sunday Prime on EW10. But um, it, he did a fascinating, he wrote a fascinating book called Fatima Today, and, and um, it inspired me, and I just took it a, a step further. You know, uh, Our Lady, you know, it's an approved apparition, Our Lady of Fatima. She made her first appearance, Michael, uh, May 13th, 1970, 1917, 1917. And during that appearance, she, um, she had a conversation, of course, uh, 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 with the children of Fatima. And, uh, but uh, basically, specifically, um, she was conversing with Lucia, the oldest of, of the Fatima children. I think she was 10 years old at the time, which isn't that old. And again, look at that, Michael. She chooses children. You know, you, you know, I just have to make a sidebar. You know, we teach our children sex education. We teach them, you know, all these, these crazy games. We, but, but you, you know, you want to take them to the cemetery? Oh, no, no, you can't, you can't do that. You might scare them. You know, I, I, I have, I have an issue with that. Um, but you know, but she she appeared to these children and she showed you know she showed them hell actually. Um, but but the conversation she had with Lucia um, was a, a question that she uh, Lucia asked her. Um, first of all, first of all, she she wanted the children to to, to return to the Covadira on the thirteenth of each month for those next six months from from May I think until October, and then Lucia. Um, uh, asked if they would go to heaven, and Our Lady, her, Francisco, and Jacinta, and Our Lady replied yes. And Lucia's final question during the first apparition was about a friend named Amelia, who had died. And Our, Lady, Our Lady's answer was very startling. She said that Amelia would be in purgatory until the end of the world. And that, always, that always caught me off guard when I, I read that and reread that and there's just a young child, and I said, uh, unbelievable. So what, well, what, what, well no. you know, she wasn't all that young, I discovered, thanks to Father Apostoli, Michael. She was 18 years old at the time. She was 18. She wasn't the same age as the children. I, I, I assumed that she was the same age as the children, but she wasn't. She was 18, and what I learned, and I learned it actually from Father Apostoli, is that... that um, there was some kind of sin against purity, and that she did have time, you know, um, uh, she did have time to confess and repent, but didn't have time to do penance. Um, but again, it, it, it points to the urgency of praying for the souls in purgatory, and I discovered, you know, Michael, that 
this was it was her first apparition on May thirteenth that purgatory was discussed, which again points to the importance of purgatory um, and, and how this um, young Amelia needed prayers, and uh, the church and the family uh, did have. Uh, masses and prayers offered for her soul. In fact, I know some people today, Michael, that just had Gregorian masses offered for the for her soul. So I'm hoping with all these masses throughout this, you know, these hundred years uh, that Amelia uh, is in heaven. But so that was um, that really jumped out at me that it was the the first apparition, the first discussion that that was brought up was purgatory. So. Um, there were also three themes that, that came out, which pointed to this, this discussion was, again, that purgatory exists. It does exist. And it's one of the, as you know, as we said, it's the greatest attribute of God's divine mercy and love. Um, and, you know, it exists because of his love and because of his incomprehensible holiness, Michael. And it's his love, as we said, that cleanses and purifies us to be able to stand in his presence. But because of our sin and our selfishness, we need purification and healing. You know what? What um, you know? What, who, what? Who? What causes us to go to purgatory? It's our sin. It's our selfishness. It's our lukewarmness. It's our indifference. It's you know how we pray, how we examine our conscience, um, and it's God's healing love for us that that purifies us and that cleanses us. So it's a loving purgatory. It's a place where our imperfection and our faults are purified to reflect the radiant image of God. So so purgatory does exist. Um, and uh, a second message that, that came out was to do penance now. We need to do our penance now. We're all given the grace to avoid purgatory. Everybody can go directly to heaven because it's part of God's plan. He doesn't want us to make a, you know, to make a U-turn or make a side uh, you know, as, as m- your mother says, come straight home. He's telling us to cr- come straight home. I think it's a serious mistake to to have purgatory as a goal because paradise is really our goal, and purgatory is a sign of the mercy of God, and it's a sign also that we've ignored His assistance while on earth. But 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 we're still in His care. We're still in His care. So we need to do penance now. What do we do? Almsgiving, indulgences, works of penance, the rosary. Make use of the sacraments. Um, those are all, you know, the great saints um, uh, did penance throughout their whole life. Um, I just read about Mother Cabrini. What an incredible woman. She crossed the ocean, I think, 27 times. It was her worst fear, but she offered it up. That's the, the famous line we hear, offer it up. These little pains, these little slights, um, you know, people that might say something that, that came off wrong or, you know, I know this is the, the holiday season, but, you know, there's going to be some, you know, situations that, you know, might be uncomfortable, you know, uh, at, at a gathering. Offer it up. Offer it up. Um, so we need to do penance. We need to know that it, the reminder, again, purgatory does exist, um, and we need to make, make sacrifices for the souls in purgatory. It's a great honor, power, and privilege to help them. And, you know, when we help them, we really have to understand, Michael, what we're doing. You know, we, we, we hear, well, I'm going to help the souls in purgatory. We're going to get them to heaven. But we have to understand the depth of what we're saying. We're giving them God. We're giving them the beatific vision. We're giving them paradise. It, it's infinite what we're doing. And, and they're aware of it probably more than we are what we're doing for them. But they're so aware of it that their joy is, is really measures their gratitude. I can't imagine their joy will be infinite. That's how their gratitude will be for you. And I, I get the question, so what are they doing for us? Well, what they're doing for us is while they're in purgatory, they're interceding for us. Um, they are our intercessors in purgatory as well as out of, as well as out of purgatory. They can intercede for us while they're in purgatory. That's the one thing they can do. They cannot merit for themselves but they can intercede for us. And their goal is to make sure we avoid purgatory. Their goal, especially with their family and friends, is our salvation. And they're praying to the Holy Spirit to inspire us to understand the males of sin and to uh, avoid sin and to correct our faults and uh, to, you know, set our goal straight to heaven. So, so the, Fatima, um, uh, the Fatima article pointed out that purgatory existed, 
it, it points out that we need to do penance now, and um, we need to offer masses, which we've talked about. So who do you miss the most? Who do you wish you could have done more for? Who helped you spiritually, financially? Um, have a mass offered, and remember yourself. Remember, a living person is still capable of offering a gift of increased grace, even though conversion is always a free acceptance of the grace that's offered. So the offering of a Mass may also in, assist in the increase of sanctity by helping people face their sufferings and trials, of, is a, yeah, people that are sick as well, because it helps them face their, their, their sufferings and, and, and unite them more deeply with our Lord. So um, purgatory... Now, our, la- our Lady of Fatima um, is clearly sending this message of how important purgatory is and to pray for the Holy Souls exactly. by putting it in their first message. Now, Our Lady of Lourdes has another way of showing us that purgatory is important uh, through the six-decade rosary, which she's holding. Exactly. What, what, what can you tell us about that? I want to show that, but I just want to add one more point about Fatima. Uh, Michael, was um, St. Joseph appeared with Our Lady in Fatima, um, I think in, in the final apparition. And again, that points to go to Joseph. He's the patron yeah. of the Universal Church, and he's the patron of a happy death. And what's a happy death? Is it to die with a smile on your face? That would be nice. I'll tell you what it's not. It's not to die in the state of Louisiana or the state of Illinois, but in the state of grace. So it's real important, you know, to, um, uh, you know, to, have, uh, to pray to St. Joseph and become a member of the Pious Union of St. Joseph that, and pray for the dying because they become the Holy Souls. Now, Fatima, I mean, Lourdes, Michael, um, now this is not official, but I, I do mention it in my book um, that when I was going on a tour, the tour guy literally stopped us at the entrance of of the Lourdes Shrine. And, and there was Our Lady in this um, tremendous, spectacular statue of Our Lady of Lourdes, and she just pointed up to the statue and said, count the number of decades on the rosary. And we all looked at her funny, thinking, well, there's five. And she said, count the number of decades. And we counted the number of decades on her arm on this statue that greets you as you come into the shrine. And there were six decades, not five. And she said that, um, that during an apparition, Bernadette had noticed the six-decade rosary on Our Lady's arm. And Our Lady said to her that the six-decade was for the souls in purgatory. Um, so that that might be a legend, but it's something that um, was shared with us on 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 my tour in in France. And I did notice um, while I was in France in Lourdes that there were six decade rosaries everywhere. Um, so uh, I encourage people to, if you don't have a six decade rosary, add a six decade and pray for the souls in purgatory. Again, it's this a powerful Marian prayer. Um, the rosary is, as Padre Pio calls it, the weapon, um, and it uh, it helps the souls in purgatory because of the indulgences that are attached to it. Well, thank you very much, Susan. You've really shed a lot of light on the purgatory question today, and of course, in other apparitions as well, there have been mentions of purgatory, and so you've you've clearly showed us that Our Lady is showing us how truly important it is that we pray for the holy souls and have that as part of our life of faith. So thank you again for for joining us today, Susan, and your website is susantassone.com, and your new book, the title is? The new book that's out, uh, actually, it just hit the bestseller list again for the third time, Michael. We're, we're very excited about it. Prayers, Promises, and Devotions for the Holy Souls in Purgatory. It's the first extensive prayer book for the souls in Purgatory that hasn't been written in 75 years. So we have spiritual protection prayers, special litany for priests. We have a first-ever section of the sick, suffering, and dying what to do when somebody is sick, suffering, and dying. We have the apostolic pardon in there. We've got um, rare writings from the Purgatory Saints, the Catechism of the Catholic Church, the writings, the complete writings on Purgatory of Blessed John Paul II in a novena format. Um, there's Holy Hour prayers, powerful litanies. It's, it's really packed, and it's, it's doing quite well. So I'm just happy that we, we have these... Um, these pillars, these, uh, you know, prayer books to help really impact and get the souls home for Christmas. And remember, Teresa of Avila told us most souls are released on Christmas Day, not All Souls Day. So we have, we have until Christmas to get them home. Another good idea for stocking stuffers. The book is called Prayers, Promises, 
and devotions for the holy souls in purgatory can be found on susantasone.com. Thank you so much, Susan, for being here. Oh, it's been us. an honor, Michael, and, and uh, God bless you and your work, and I, I know that you've got, you've got a book that's going to be coming out down the road as well, so congratulations. Thank you very much. That was Susan Tosone, everyone. Again, you can get her latest book, Prayers, Promises, and Devotions for the Holy Souls in Purgatory, at her website, uh, susantesone.com. For those of you just tuning in, you are listening to the Miracle Hunter radio show. I'm your host, Michael O'Neill. I am the Miracle Hunter, and you can read more about Marian apparitions and miracles at my website, miraclehunter.com. Earlier in the show, we asked a trivia question from Catholic Pub Trivia. Each week, I will be asking a trivia question and giving out a prize for a caller that gets the right answer. This week, we'll be giving away a framed image of a piece of artwork entitled The Faces of Mary. It is a photo mosaic of over 100 images of Our Lady that forms a large, beautiful picture of the Madonna and Child. Trivia questions are generously provided by Catholic Pub Trivia, an organization that partners with Catholic parishes, schools, or religious organizations to host Trivia Night fundraisers at local establishments. For more information on Catholic Pub Trivia or to organize an event in your area, please visit catholicpubtrivia.com. The question from earlier in the show was, what term refers to early liberation from purgatory through the special intercession of the Virgin Mary, which she exercises preferentially on Saturday. I've been told we have a caller with the answer. Hello, who am I speaking with, and what is your answer? Hi, this is Cecilia. Hi, Cecilia. Um, it, I've been wearing the scapular most of my life, and I think it's called the uh, Sabatine Privilege. I'm hoping to uh, gain that. <laughs> yes, we all are. That's, that is the correct answer, the Sabatine Privilege. Uh, the word Sabbath comes from I'm the so word <laughs> Sabbath or Saturday. Uh, the Carmelite Order made this special claim to this privilege with the wearing of the brown scapular as you are doing itself. So hang on the line. We'll get your uh, information and we'll send off that uh, Marian image off to you today. So thank you very much. Very for cool. And that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Susan Tassone again for joining us on the episode. Uh, remember to check out MiracleHunter.com and 365DaysWithMary.com. Thank you for joining me on Miracle Hunter, where it doesn't matter if you are a skeptic or a believer, but it's always worth the hunt. You are tuned to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. The program you just heard was a rebroadcast of Miracle Hunter with Michael O'Neill.